Good morning, family. I really hope you enjoyed that time of worship. Just before we move on to hear some testimonies of what God has been doing in our lives today, I have a few notices. Number one, we are very privileged and excited to be having Paul Mann speak to us today. I am very expectant to hear what God is going to say through him. Number two, if you have any questions, you want to get in touch with the church, you can email us at this address. Number three, we are putting our journey through Luke on hold and we are going to start our summer series next Sunday going through the book of Joshua. And I can tell you what a book. And the last one, number four, if you have any testimonies of what God has been doing, it doesn't matter how big, how small, if God is speaking to you and moving in your life, that is huge. And we would love to hear from you. So you can do that by emailing Ian at this address here. And that's it from me. Enjoy the testimonies. Hi, I'm Karen and I want to give a testimony about some uh, things that I've been learning since I did the Freedom in Christ course, which is five years ago now. Um, so the Freedom in Christ course, if, you've not, um, if you don't know about it, it's a course that we run as a church um, and it's about taking the truths from the Bible and applying them in our lives. Um, so the particular thing that has really made an impact on me was when they talked about forgiveness. Um, and the first thing I really thought about was that forgiveness is completely central to the gospel. So forgiveness is about um, when we receive salvation, God is forgiving us. So um, forgiveness is something that we then, as part of um, part of living in the kingdom of God, that we need to forgive those around us. Um, and the, the way that the Bible speaks about forgiveness makes me think actually it's so central to our faith that there's no wriggle room. I, I can think maybe um, I don't need to forgive because my situation's a bit different or or I've tried to forgive and I couldn't or I haven't quite got to that bit yet and I don't understand it but actually it's so central, so fundamental that it's something that we need to do. The second thing that I um, realised through doing the course is that I had a complete wrong understanding of what forgiveness actually is. So I felt that to forgive someone, I had to say, it doesn't matter, um, you know, kind of don't worry about it and push all the feelings down under the surface. So so it's a bit like if you if someone bumps into you and says sorry, you say, oh, you know, don't worry. But actually that doesn't work if you're talking about a significant life event that has involved a lot of pain or anger or upset. You can't just say, oh, it doesn't matter, because it does matter. And because I had that um, wrong understanding of what forgiveness is, I was actually quite angry with God because I thought he didn't care what my feelings were because he was telling me to push them underneath and forget about them. But actually, um, through dealing with this, I've realised that God does understand and does is interested in our emotions. Um, and that's partly because of the way that the Course suggests that we um, forgive. So the course, in the course, we've given some time to, to sit down and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us if there's anyone we need to forgive, and I knew immediately that there was, and asked to actually say out loud, I forgive and name that person for, and actually name what it is that they've done. 
because um, it made me feel and actually name what it is that it made me feel. Because the enemy loves us to have pain and unresolved issues that we've not dealt with because he's got a foothold. But actually naming those things, um, it's actually really powerful. So having done that, um, I really felt that I was in some sort of battle because spiritually I've dealt with those things. Um, but of course emotionally, all the emotions that I've had um, all of those years based on the things that I hadn't forgiven were still there. So they kept coming up. But actually God is not telling me to squash them down. God is telling me that I need to deal with those emotions, which is what's been happening. And the end result is healing because you're actually dealing with it rather than pretending that I'm not angry and I'm not upset. So I've got a little illustration uh, about how that is and um, I'm going to show you a little illustration from my allotment. I spent over two hours at my allotment yesterday trying to clear grass out of a patch of ground. The soil was so entangled with matted roots, some of them like wire, that I couldn't plant anything until they were removed. There was something about wrenching these roots apart that made me think of my entrenched attitudes and my emotions when I couldn't forgive. It's only when God deals with hurts and unforgiveness from the past that he can plant new things in our lives. Hey everybody, hope you are well. Quick update from me regarding connect groups. Um, what a season, you know. There's not been a season like this that I can remember, right? I think... Uh, incredible and uh, just to see what God had done and how he's used connect group for us as a church to stay connected with each other you know and just to find that support find that community and encouragement on a weekly basis has been incredibly important during the last six six months so uh, I just want to thank all of you guys for participating I want to thank the connect group leaders what an incredible job they've done during the last six months going into lockdown you know going into zoom and how they facilitated things and how they brought together the communities um, I just want to thank you on behalf of the whole church for what you have done in this season um, and I've got a little video from uh, from Ruben just to also give us a quick update on what they've been doing over the last few months hello my name is Ruben I want to share a quick update from our connect group uh, we've been meeting together online almost every week uh, the last few months during lockdown, which has been a great encouragement. Uh, we've been able to dig into uh, Luke's Gospel more from what's been, what we've been looking at in the Sunday uh, online church, which has been uh, really encouraging and also uh, challenging at times as well, uh, in really good ways. Um, we have been praying together and we've seen some wonderful answers to prayer and we've been able to encourage one another when times are difficult, as well as to find ways to love our neighbours and to share the good news of Jesus with our friends and family as well. And so that's been really great. And now over the summer, uh, in August, as people take their staycations, um, we will be meeting together a little bit less frequently, uh, but we'll be keeping in contact and we'll be picking back up again in September, whatever the world looks like then. Thanks. Oh, that's great, Ruben. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Ruben is one of our Connect Group leaders and he's just doing a fantastic job in his group. Um, so does all the other leaders. Um, they're all great leaders and we do love them so much for everything they do. Um, so if you are not in a Connect Group,
please send me an email. Um, you'll find the email address just above my head about now. Um, ping me a note and then, uh, you know, I would love to get you connected. I would love for you guys to join. This is the lifeblood of church. This is where we hang out. This is where we build friendships, where everyone in the group is known by name. And that's certainly what we are striving for. So let's let's do that. A lot of the groups are taking a break now over August, but I would love for you to join from September if you are not in a group currently. Very good. Have a great service, everybody. Have a good day. Hope Church uh, Seven Oaks, it's so good to be with you for your online Sunday meeting. I'd obviously much rather be with you in person, um, but with lockdown, that just isn't possible at the moment. King's Church sends their greetings um, and their love to you. It's so good to be part of a family together, a family of churches. We're able to encourage one another, support one another, cheer one another on from the sidelines. I know certainly that's what we do um, when we hear the stories of what's going on with you. Also, just to say how much I enjoyed being with you for your midweek prayer meeting a few weeks ago. Um, I felt an absolute honour to be able to share something of what's going on um, down here on the south coast with you, um, but I also love seeing your fervency um, and faith in prayer as well. And just, just so you know, really, that in this season, I'm very much praying for, for you guys as a church. I'm praying for Adam and Rachel as they have their break, uh, that they are refreshed in God, that they are strengthened. Um, and encouraged in him uh, during this season and that they will continue to be over the next few months. Now, there's a number of things that we aren't able to do during lockdown. I mean, I know it's easing a bit now, but there are still uh, restrictions. You know, the numbers of people that can gather together and wearing face masks and all those different things. But one of the things that has never been restricted in lockdown is prayer. And that's what we're going to be looking at together um, over the next 15 to 20 minutes. About 100 years ago, there was a bit of a hero of mine called James O. Fraser, who was serving uh, as a missionary in China to the uh, Lisu uh, people. And he'd been there a number of years. He'd planted a number of fledgling churches. Some of them were up in the mountains and some were down in the valleys. Um, the problem he had was that during the winters, he wasn't able to get to the churches that he was serving in the mountains. He just couldn't get up there. The, the, the weather was too severe, so he wasn't able to make it. And so he decided to put prayer, or I guess God, to the test a bit. He decided that he would spend the time that he would have spent visiting them in prayer for them instead. And so he would spend hours uh, praying for them, for God's blessing, God's strengthening, God's encouragement, for God's power to rest upon them. But he would continue to visit the churches in the lowlands and, in a sense, at the end of the three, four months, see how they were doing. So as he climbed his way back into the mountains to visit these churches, he was wonderfully surprised to see how healthy and vibrant uh, they were and it was on the back of his prayer and yet the churches in the lowlands where he'd continued to visit had carried on much as they were before and James O. Fraser learnt this key uh, lesson about the importance of prayer the power of prayer, that when we, his people, give ourselves to seeking God, wonderful, wonderful things happen. I was reading a recent tear fund um, survey, and I was surprised to see that 44% of adults 
say that they pray. Not, not churchgoers, but adults across our nation, which was higher than I expected to find. And what was really encouraging is that one in 20 adults, that's 5% of the population, have started to pray since lockdown began. And I guess that is a reflection of maybe people seeking after something or someone uh, to help them in this time, which I guess is not surprising with everything uh, that is going on. But it's really important that we know who to pray to and how prayer works. A few years ago, um, I was tasked with the job of getting a new landline telephone. And uh, Chloe, my wife, sent me off to go and do that. And so off I went in the car. I went and bought a bit of a bargain. Um, it was the end of, uh, end of a range, I think. Brought it back, took it out the box, plugged it all in. Could I get this thing to work? No, I couldn't. 45 minutes I was trying to make it work. And I'd seen loads of telephones. I'd plugged them in in the past, and they just worked. But for some reason, this telephone just was not playing ball. So I got back in the car, I drove back to the retailer, I tried to return it and they weren't having any of it. I said it wasn't working, they said we're not taking it back, we're not giving you a refund. Um, I was mad if I'm honest. I, 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 I left out the shop, stomped out the shop and uh, some people from the church were outside. I was so cross if I'm honest, I didn't even try and do a bit of a Christian facade um, and smile. I was, I was just grumpy if I'm honest. Um, I, I even told them don't buy anything in that shop, they won't give you a refund. Anyway, I got home, Chloe asked how it went, hadn't gone very well if I'm honest. Um, she said, well, do you want me to give it a go? Um, well, I think I said something along the lines of, you can, but you won't get it to work. Um, anyway, five minutes later, she shouted up the stairs, um, Paul, the phone's working. Um, what had she done different from me? She'd read the instruction manual. She'd, she'd taken a bit of time to find out how the telephone was due to work. Um, and funnily enough, when she followed the instructions, she found that it worked really well. Um, I wonder with prayer if we can be in danger of thinking we know how it works without following the manufacturer's instructions, so to speak. And uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus teaches his followers how to pray. And there's some key lessons in there that we need to take notice of if we're going to find prayer working um, as it should, as, as we would like it uh, to work. So if you've got your Bibles, why not turn to Matthew chapter 6? We're going to pick it up in verse 9, and we're just going to read four or five verses, and the words are going to come on the screen uh, next to me. Pray then like this, Jesus' instructions. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then it goes on and says this in verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses or their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your sins. It's a bit of a warning um, at the end. We're going to just take it a phrase at a time. And my prayer is, whether you're a seasoned prayer or you're really new to it, you will be inspired and you'll learn something from this as we take it. Uh, just a phrase at a time. 
This then is how you should pray, Jesus said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I love the start to the Lord's Prayer. This, this first phrase tells us who we're praying to, tells us what he's like. It tells us that prayer isn't primarily about a wish list, it's about relationship. It isn't a relationship with some distant, um, uninterested, all-powerful being, but we get to talk to God, um, the creator of it all, and we get to relate to him as our father, which is um, absolutely amazing. Now, for some of you, you may feel that that's not good news. Your, your, your relationship with your father was not good or not as good as you wanted. Um, and actually, even as I'm saying that, that puts a bit of a barrier uh, to you in prayer, but but let me appeal to you. Um, this is this is good news, because God, our Father, He 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 won't ever let you down. He won't. He's He's constant. He's trustworthy. He's safe. He's protective. He's interested. He's caring. He's He's exciting. It's it's a relationship of the highest quality. Um, I, I'm definitely an imperfect father. I've got four boys, but, but, but when they come to me, I, I want to respond. They, they have an access to me that probably no one else on the planet has. They drop me a text or they send me a, uh, they, they ring me and I, 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 I'll drop other stuff to answer. Um, in some ways, there's something within me that is compelled to respond positively to their requests. I want to. I'm, I'm their dad. And I wonder if that's just a mild reflection of how our Heavenly Father responds to us when we come to him in prayer. It's, it's amazing. It is wonderful. But it then goes on, that opening verse says, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, this word hallowed is not something that we are overly familiar with, particularly if you're not in church circles. But it basically means that God is holy, that he is separate from sin. He is different from us. If you cast your mind back six or seven weeks uh, to when George Floyd was horribly killed, we, we, we see something of, the, of racism there. We see something of something that's horrific, we see something of a fruit of sin that is wrong. And I think we'd all agree, no, no, it was wrong what happened to George Floyd. But, but so is domestic abuse. Um, so is people trafficking. Theft, you're probably with me on all of these, but, but lying, that's a fruit of sin as well. Greed, bitterness even actually self-centeredness. All of these are different fruits of sin and we find them in us, every human being, but we, we don't find any of them in God. He is holy. And because of God's holiness and our sin, this relationship with God is not automatic. Not just anyone can come when they want, as they want, how they want, the God we're coming to, he's the creator, he's the sustainer of all things. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, he's holy, he's just, he's other. We, we can't just come in and say, hi, Dad. You need to be put into that relationship. You need to be born into it, if, if that makes sense. I guess 
my boys. They were born into that relationship with me. That's what gave them the access to me. And in fact, if that relationship, if we're not born into that relationship, then the Bible says that our relationship with God is totally broken. We are totally out of step with him. But the amazing thing is that Jesus came and made a way for us to be adopted, born into that family. Through what Jesus achieved on the cross, although we were unable, he makes a way. The barriers of sin, rebellion, selfishness are dealt with so that we can approach a holy God and we can call out um, Abba, Father. We get to call that out. Why? Because Jesus has made a way for us to come. In actual fact, as Christians, it says that the Holy Spirit has been poured into our hearts and by him we cry out, Abba, Father, we cry out, Daddy, it's, it's wonderful that God hasn't become unholy, he's still holy, but I get to relate to him as my Father because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Then this prayer goes on and it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, God's got a plan. In fact, he is a king with a kingdom and we are, we are to pray for his rule and reign to advance and to spread out. And the first thing on our prayer agendas is to be, is that God's will is done. I guess it makes sense. We're part of the family. We're coming to our father in heaven and we want the family business to do well. As I said, Prayer is based in relationship. I'm coming to my good heavenly Father and I want his will to be done on earth just as it's done in heaven. I, could, I guess you could say that I'm prioritising his agenda over my own. I guess this is not just to be reflected in prayer but also in life as well. But if I'm honest, how often is my prayer life reflected more around God blessing my plans, which he, he isn't against happening. But maybe, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for my promotion or, or my health or, or my family situation. How often do we genuinely pursue God's agenda? Or how often is it ours that sort of usurps it? In the Bible, when Nehemiah, who was exiled from Israel... Um, heard about the state of Israel and Jerusalem and what was happening back with God's people. This is what it says in Nehemiah 1 verse 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah, Nehemiah was getting caught up with God's agenda. Um, and I wonder in this season if we also need to increasingly get caught up with God's agenda. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then it goes on and says, give us today our daily bread. Having said that, God our Father does massively, massively care about us. He cares about you. And we're invited to ask for help. You know, what do you need to do? What, what do you need today, sorry? Food? Clothing, shelter, bills to be paid, healing. I mean, we've had a, a, a wonderful little season of, of people in the church being healed. I mean, oh, give us today our daily bread. Lord, break through in healing in this area. But I think God's also concerned about um, our anxieties and the fears that we face as well. 
The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. You know, throw your anxiety on God. It's, it, it's so, so important. I think, as I said already, I think if we're honest, a lot of our prayer can gravitate around what we need. And I guess that's why some people turn to God in a crisis. I think one in four people said that, you know, in a crisis they turn to God in prayer. You know, most of the time we can be self-sufficient, but then a wave hits us, knocks us off our feet, and in a crisis we look outside of ourselves to find help, someone who can help us up, put us back on our feet. I guess, I guess we understand why that is the case. And then Jesus, in teaching us on prayer, goes on to the next thing, and he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I don't know if you've ever really thought about the importance of forgiveness in life, but also in prayer. Firstly, we're told to ask God for personal forgiveness. I mean, if there is a God as I've described him, and we are chronically out of step with him, which is what the Bible says outside of what Jesus has done for us, then something needs to change. And God being God, well, he doesn't need to change, but, but we do. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to repent. We need to acknowledge where we've got stuff wrong and we need to make a decision to live a different way, to change our thinking and our behaviour to line up with God. That's, that's humbling. I haven't got it sorted. I cannot do it on my own. Oh God, please forgive me. That, that's a right response to him. And this isn't a once and forever event, but a regular activity as we pray. I, I certainly know uh, as a husband and as a dad uh, there are frequent occurrences where I need to ask forgiveness of other people, but I also need to come before God as well. But the other half is about forgiving others. And the logic goes like this. If I've been forgiven loads and loads by my Heavenly Father, how much more should I forgive others when they offend me, when they do wrong against me? Now, this is, this is massively important, and it's, and it's not easy to do. But the Bible says that if we don't forgive others, it will affect our relationship with God. In reality, actually, it's going to affect you as a person. And for some of you, you, are, you may not even know it, but you're caught up in unforgiveness. It's a bit like an elastic band wound up and up and up, and you can feel the sort of knots in your stomach even now as I'm, as I'm speaking, and you're, you're looking for a way out of it. And, and possibly the way out of it is you need to forgive someone or something for what has happened to you. It's like they've got a hook and you are hooked into uh, this situation or person because you haven't forgiven. Now, please, I, I don't say this lightly. I know that forgiving others is a massive, massive thing. Um, but maybe some of the challenges you're facing at the moment are because of this whole area of forgiveness and it might be good for you to uh, seek out your small group leader or one of the pastors of the church and they can help you navigate your way through that. And then, and then Jesus goes on and he says, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one, from forgiveness to temptation. Prayer is the language of a child to a father. And so I want to please God. I want to please my father in heaven. But it's a real battle because there is an evil one and he wants you to please him. 
He doesn't want you to follow God. And so he's going to tempt you to go off and follow your own plans or his plans, but whatever happens, he doesn't want you following God's way. And I think if, if you're honest, if you look at the list of junk that I was speaking about earlier, I think we'd all agree that the world would be a better place without it. You know, racism, abuse, hatred, greed, lust, lust selfishness, but, but it's a battle. And it's a battle whether you're following Jesus or not following Jesus. It's a battle that we're all facing. And Jesus says, well, you need to pray. Oh God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's a battle. It's a fight. It's not like a fight. It is a fight that every single one of us is in. And then Jesus, as he closes the prayer, goes in and says this, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we finish this prayer, as we finish this pattern for prayer, we're reminded of the big picture again, that there is a kingdom, it's God's kingdom, and it is advancing. You may not perceive it, you may not see it, but it is real, it is growing, and it's bringing amazing transformation to one life at a time. That this kingdom is a kingdom of power, it's a good power. It's, it's, it's not a forcing its way in power. It's not a power uh, linked to hatred, but it's linked to God's love for every human being on the face of the planet. And it brings hope and peace and joy and love. And it's not about me and it's not about my agenda, but it's about God's glory, his purposes and his glory. And it's an eternal kingdom. It's going to go forever and ever and ever. And as we look to line up our prayer lives and as we look to line up our personal lives with God, we know we're getting involved in his kingdom, kingdom extension, which is an eternal, everlasting kingdom. So as I close, just to remind you of some of the things I've said, prayer isn't about wish lists. It's not to be relegated just to times of crisis. Prayer is the language of relationship from a child to a father. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you are invited to learn how to pray, to grow in prayer, to have adventures in prayer as you talk with your father in heaven and see how he can intervene in wonderful ways in your life and in the lives of those around you as well. It's how we as people get to talk with God. He's not hidden away in some mystical obscurity or defined by your personal preferences, but he is real and revealed in the Bible with this massive invitation, come and talk to me. It's a relationship that you're invited to join. It's a relationship only made possible at great expense because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. It's a relationship we get to enter through faith and repentance. Why not this week? You may never have prayed before, but why not use this pattern for prayer? Not, don't, don't repeat it parrot form, but with some of the uh, uh, things that I've shared today, why not use it as a pattern to learn how to pray, learn how to talk to your Father in heaven? I started by talking about James O'Fraser and some of the lessons that he learned in prayer. Let me finish with a quote. Apologies, it won't come up on the uh, screen next to me. This is what he said. I used to think that prayer should have the first place and teaching the second. I now feel that prayer should have the first, second and third place and teaching the fourth. 
Church, Hope Church, Seven Oaks, let me encourage you. Be students of prayer. Learn how to pray. Grow in it. Learn, like James O. Fraser, that the, in, in many ways the most important thing that we can do is to pray, is to speak to our Father in heaven. There are still many limitations when it comes to church life. We've locked down at the moment, but prayer isn't one of them. There is such an opportunity. There is such an invitation to grow in prayer. Let me just pray for you as I close. Oh, Father, I thank you for the privilege that we get to come and speak to you. Father, thank you. There are no barriers that exist because of what Jesus Christ has done. I want to pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you will work in living rooms and kitchens and bedrooms as people are watching this around Seven Oaks and the Seven Oaks area. And I pray, Lord, that you will stir up a fresh passion and zeal for prayer within Hope Church Seven Oaks at this time. We pray for your massive, massive blessing to be upon them. Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you'll bless Adam and Rachel uh, as they have their break. I pray they'd know a closeness to you. I pray they'd know your restoring, strengthening power. Be with them, I pray, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you guys um, at this time.